Over the weekend, the Lord said to me, don't look back. That's what he said. And uh, I uh, may say it different than some people may say it, but I'm going to say to you what I believe God said to me. And we can judge it. You know, in the book of Corinthians, it said we shall judge angels. And, you, you know, a lot of people think that means judge the flying angels or the angels in heaven. But in the scripture, angels also refers to ministry. It refers to, uh, you know, uh, the ministering spirits, the ministry of the Lord, seven angels in the book of Revelation. And in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is where that's at. We shall judge angels. And I said this morning, I, I talked about that this morning a little bit, that the word shall, if you look up the Greek there, uh, it, it may convey shall as a future sense, but to, because I don't understand all the symbols and everything that goes with the Greek, but as far as the word shall goes, in the Greek, it's not there. Now, shall can mean uh, it's shall happen, or shall can be kind of emphatic, like you shall do it. Okay, But nonetheless, from what I read and what I believe Paul is talking about is, is judging the ministry. That, you, you know, because he's telling them in Corinthians not to go to the law with one another, but to pick out those in the church, he says, the least esteemed in the church, and have them judge matters, not even people of high esteem, but people of low esteem, have them judge matters. So, so when we look at this, right, we look at, we look and we begin to consider this, he comes over and he says, and we shall judge angels. You know, the Lord spoke to me and, and I'm, I'm going to repeat a couple of things from this morning. So, so Waverly, you get a, a extra, you and Henry get an extra dose and my son, Andrew gets an extra dose uh, of this, uh, the the judging of oh, that's actually Anita on is Andrew. I'm sorry, Anita, but the judging of 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 angels and the ministry of the Lord. It's very important to examine what people say, and I and I believe there's a place to walk in the Lord when you lay out truth or when truth comes. That truth will actually judge. What's said? I believe that. I believe it'll set up a standard. And I believe sometimes we try to cross over that standard. You know, I, I know I have to, to portray or to say what we think. And I pray God would raise up a standard in us so we, we can't even do that. We can't even cross over to what, you know, we think. But what God is saying would be established because I, I see a need in the body of Christ. One of the greatest needs is to be established in the word. And it's all over the body. It's, it's not just in the Pentecostals or the Baptists. It's in the deeper life folks. I said this morning, 
I've been around a, a number of what we call deeper life in Christ folks, uh, kingdom folks, and and you get around them and you'll find out there's 10, maybe 20, maybe more messages in that, just like Pentecost, that it's not all the same. And I'm not saying we'll all believe exactly alike either, but God believes the same. You realize that? God doesn't have but his thought. He doesn't consider but his way. That's all he considers. And when the Lord spoke to me that, you, you know, uh, about not looking back, I know there's different views to that. And, and I've heard people portray that. And uh, I don't have the scripture right in front of me. And I'll, I'll look it up. It, it's in the book of Hebrews, I believe here in a minute. But there are ideas that that means, well, don't go back to the law. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. That's true. But don't go back into perdition. Well, the law itself wasn't perdition. Paul said the law was holy, just, and true. So the law was good. What was perdition was the man under the law. He was perdition. And that word perdition means ruin. He was in ruin. He was in decay. He was dead. Okay. And so, so that man is the Adamic man, the natural man, the earthly man. And I believe sometimes, whether we mean to or not, we go back to that man. And we try to dig him up. We try to find more in him than what's really there. I really believe we do. That I, I think to a degree, Paul understood what was in Adam. And I don't think Paul really understood what was in Adam until he saw Christ. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But but till he saw the Lord, I don't think he really even understood the natural man. But when he saw the Lord, he come out and he said, well, the first man's of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Paul, to my knowledge, and, and, and you guys can correct me, I'll, I'll receive correction. I'll receive correction of the Lord from anyone. But. Paul never said Adam was in this heavenly state and fell out of it. But that's a common belief that he was perfected and he fell from perfection and he brought man into this place. And he did. He brought man into sin and death. But the idea is he fell from perfection. That's a, that's a predominant idea, I think, in almost all of Christianity. You know, in deeper life, in, in, in Pentecost, and so forth. I asked a fellow one time, I said, I said well, uh, Adam was placed in a garden with the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. I said, when does it say he ever ate the tree of life? I said, where, where does it talk about him partaking of the tree of life? Or does it? Now, it was in his midst. Maybe he did. Maybe I don't understand that. And I'm okay with that if I don't. 
But if I, if I divide the scripture, the first man's of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are the earthy. And if I look at what the earthy man is, he's full of sin. He doesn't know God. And he didn't achieve the glory of God. In Romans 3, it says he fell short of the glory of God. He did. If I fell short of it, I didn't attain it. So, so it, did, it didn't say he fell out of the glory of God. It says he comes short of the glory of God. Now, he was purposed for it. See, see, creation was purposed for the glory of God. But the glory of God wasn't found in the first man, at least to my understanding. And, and, I, and I'm okay if God broadens my understanding. I really am. I'm sincere. But the, the, where, I, where part of me really believes that this is, this is absolute is, is if you look at Genesis 1, if you look up the word image, it means a shade, a phantom. And, and I said this other night, a shade, if I walk, if I'm in 95 degree heat, all right, I'm outside 95 degree heat and there's a house there that I could go into that's blowing out 70 degree air conditioning. And I want to get in it because it's 95 degrees. Well, if I go get in the shade of it, I may get a little benefit. Okay. But I don't get the substance of the house. You follow me? The substance is in the house. So I have to be in the house to get the substance of the house. So, so, so when I look at this in Romans 5, Paul writes that Adam was a figure. Again, a, a figure is not the exact of him that was to come. So he was created as a figure, as a representative of him that was coming. So from the beginning, he represented one coming. That's what I believe. He wasn't the one that was coming. He was representing the one coming. He was given authority in the earth, dominion in the earth to name everything. But you know what he couldn't name you with? The name of the Lord. He could name the animals. He could name humanity. He could name all these things that people say, well, he natured them. But he couldn't nature you in God. Okay? You follow that? He, he, may, he may have had the ability in the natural to do all this natural stuff. But he didn't have the ability in his seed to nature you in God. So, so when I look at don't look back, what I believe I heard was quit looking at the old man for the substance. It's not there. Never was there. It's not going to be there. But we're not the old man. We're a new creation. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, not looking unto perdition, but looking where? 
to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So the author of our faith is him. The finisher of our faith is him. And everything in between is him. So he's the author and the finisher. And he's everything in between. Everything that we're going to experience in God is Jesus Christ. Everything. And that's the way it is. And so we look unto him to know all things. Paul said it this way in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 3. We turn there. I've quoted the other scriptures. Maybe I'll turn to them. Maybe I won't. But in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. See, now I'm going to kind of get in my message. His glory. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. According to the riches of his glory. That Christ may be dwell, may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passive knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, that's a feeling. All the fullness of God. Well, where am I going to know all the fullness of God? In Christ. In Christ. That's where I'm going to know all the fullness of God. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Can't find it in myself. I can now because he's in me, but I'm talking about according to the old man. In, the, in relationship to me, you know, I, I can read the scriptures even and relate them to me. I don't even try to do that anymore, to be honest with you. Now, I may be wrong in that, but I look at the scriptures to relate them to him. I search the scriptures to find Jesus. Because I'm found in him. I'm not found anywhere but in him. I'm in him. And that's what Paul said, that, I, that he may be found in him. I believe Paul said this at the end of his ministry. He was still seeking a place in Christ that he be found there, that his whole identity, his home, his resting place, his dwelling place may be in Christ. As he, as he come right down, I believe, I believe anyway, right, at the, right to the conclusion of his ministry, he's still looking in Christ. He never graduated from that. How can you? Because in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So how could I graduate from all the fullness of God? So, I, so everything God said in the Scripture finds its home in Christ. Somehow, somewhere, it, it finds its fulfillment in him. 
He's the fulfillment of all things. By him, all things consist, all things exist. So we preach Jesus, right? We're, our, our ministry is him. Everything about us is him. So, so, you know, last week we were looking at Jesus coming in the glory of the Father to fill the house. That's what we were talking about in, in Ephesians, uh, where we read last week, I believe four, says he ascended, he, he that ascended is the same that descended, or he that descended is the same that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all things. He might feel. You follow me? He feels what? All things. It doesn't mean he feels oak trees. See, people will look at that sometimes and say, well, he feels everything. Okay. He made everything. I can agree with that. But he feels all the things of God. He, he completes all the things of God, and he feels all those things in you and I, in his body. The church is his body, the fullness of him. So that's where he's feeling. So I can take, he feels all things, and I could think, well, he feels all things, right? Oak trees, horses. Now, come on. He feels him, his body. He's the fullness that fills. And it's you and I that he's feeling. He ascended on high. He returned to the Father. He, was, he went back into glory in order to feel you and I, to feel the church, just like that Old Testament cloud filled the house. When the house was complete, it was filled with the glory of God. The glory came and filled it. And Paul says upon, uh, that we are built upon the rock who is Christ to be filled with God, he says in Ephesians 2 that to house God, that God may tabernacle in us, that God may live in us, that he may fill in us. Which it's more than just saying, well, God lives in me. That, that's like the start. That's where every Christian should be in the start. God's living in me. But religion has taken them away from the start. You know, when they got born again, what happened? God came into them. Christ came into them. When they were filled with the Spirit, what filled them? God did. God is Spirit. God filled them. But instead of having an idea that God filled me, the idea is, I don't know where God's at, maybe, or God's way away from me. God's somewhere else. And that's what's went on in Christianity for a long time. But he feels us that the character of himself would be known by us. Not just that we'd say God's in me, but his very character would come alive in us. Okay? So we come, we've come, this group has come through a place where we believe God's in us. Most everybody here believes he's in us. But he's in us that his character, his nature, what he is, would be made evident to us. His mind, his will, 
that we would be the house of his glory. So we would know his glory. See, see, we're filled with all the riches of his glory. And that didn't, didn't what we read a while ago sound something like that? We're filled with the riches of his glory. Well, what's his glory? What he is, who he is. That's his glory, who he is. So if I glorify God, I demonstrate who he is. If I'm glorifying God in my body, I'm demonstrating who God is in my body, in my walk in the earth. And, and lo and behold, that may be a manifestation of the sons of God. If I'm demonstrating in my body what God is, am I not manifesting? Instead of it just being this, way, this day far, far away, it, it, could it not be as simple as manifesting that of God that, that's in you, that's been made alive in you, that's living in you, into the earth? And that ever increases. The beauty of the Lord is, as, as we know God, he increases. He doesn't quit growing. <laughs> you know, we, we come to know him in a measure of something, and, and even the measure we know him in gets bigger. We, we come in that same measure, and it begins to, to, to grow. It's like a measure of peace. We begin to know peace in our heart, for example. We begin to know what it is to be at rest. And that begins to be real to us, to where to it's not words on a page, right? It's not just I read the rest of God. I'm actually in the rest of God. Yes. Then it grows. What do you mean it grows? It grows that I can remain and rest in tough situations. Then it grows again. What do you mean it grows again? Then I can take rest and present it to others. I can bring it into situations. I can be a minister of his rest. Doesn't even mean I may even say anything. I'll just, I might, but I'll bring it into the situation. That's that's what we are as the house of God. Years ago, and unfortunately, as years ago, God said this to me, and I should have listened years ago. He, he spoke to me out of the old Michael Jordan slogan. He really did. He said, just do it. It's, it's been given to you. See, it's given to you. Of his fullness we have received, the writer writes, John writes, of his fullness. Now, I don't know his fullness, but of his fullness, of his completion, I've received of the completion of Christ. Do you realize that? I've received of his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what I've received of. So what's in his death, burial, and resurrection applies to me. That's why Paul said to walk out the length, the depth, the breadth, and the height of him. And when I talk about his death, burial, and resurrection, I'm talking about his ascension, too, in the, in the resurrection part. I'm not just talking about that he was resurrected. 
I'm talking about that part of him ascending into the heavenlies applies to me because he's my life. Why can I say that? He's my life. Paul said he's my life. So if he's my life, then that part of him applies to me. The death part applies to me. For me, the death part, some people don't want to hear about the death part, but for me, it's one of the most glorious things I've, I've experienced is his death. People say, are you crazy? No. <laughs> it's glorious. Not crazy. It freed me from the old man. It made me realize that I'm not an old man. His death is, I died with him to the man. I died with him to the law. I love his death. His death keeps working in me. That's why I believe there, those three feasts were perpetual. That's what I believe. You can judge it. In Israel, the three feasts went on continuous. They were perpetual. And they spoke of death, burial, and resurrection. They spoke of Passover, Pentecost, and fullness. Pentecost and fullness. And it was this perpetual meeting, continual meeting, that they would go through every year. They didn't come to fullness and quit. <laughs> Think of that. There, there was this working. Of, it was like this working. Maybe it's like a, uh, I keep doing like this, like a wind, a tornado circling. Maybe somewhere in the Bible talks about it as a, trying to remember where it's at, maybe in Ezekiel, I may be off somewhere, but, but it's like this perpetual, continuous moving of God. And it's moving in us in death, burial, resurrection, and the death part gets bigger, the burial part gets bigger, and the resurrection part gets bigger. Yeah, length, depth, breadth, and height. Till we come into perfection of him. Till we come to the love of God. Till we understand the love of God that passes all knowledge. That exceeds everything. But this is through the working of him that works. And that's why John, when John saw the lamb in the throne... He didn't just present the lamb as, well, I saw the magnified, glorified Jesus. He did. He saw the magnified, glorified Jesus. But he said he saw a lamb as it had been slain, because that death speaks in the throne of God. The power of it's in the throne of God. See, because that death rules over all those things, it, it, it destroyed the works of the devil. It crucified the old man. It freed us from the law. Paul said, I am what? Crucified to the world. And the world is crucified in me. So, so what does that mean? That meant the cosmos, the orderly arrangement. Again, that could be speaking of the law. But that also could be speaking that everything going on in the earth is crucified to me. But our minds are tuned a lot of times with everything going on in the earth. You ever notice that? 
It, they are. You know, I, I don't know. Paul didn't write much about what was going on in the earth. He wrote some in his epistles, but, but his epistles were about what's the relationship he had in Christ. That's what he wrote about, right? The relationship in Christ to bring a people in Christ, no matter what was going on in the earth. Christians think they have it rough now. We're not getting fed to lions. Now, there may be some in some parts of the world that are, but I think in Paul's day, it was a common thing for them to get fed to lions, sawed in half, different things, you know, tortured, different things done to them. It was a common thing. You follow me? So, and Paul was, you know, there, there were little things said about it. History probably talks more about it than the scripture does. But Paul was presenting this glorious relationship that we have in Christ because we are dead to the world and alive unto God. But all that's realized in Christ Jesus. Because if I'm not realizing that that's in Christ Jesus, then my mind is what? It's, it's filled with the world. That's what my mind will be filled with. If I'm not realizing what's in Christ, and if you get around a lot of Christians, what's their mind filled with? That's all they can talk about. They can't talk about the Lord very long until they're talking about what's going on in the world. Right? These are Christians, believers. They're, they're not talking about being filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, being filled with the substance of Christ, being filled with rest, being filled with joy, being filled with hope, being filled with all the goodness of God, because they don't know all the goodness of God. They're not, they're not presented the goodness of God. They don't know that they've been brought into his completion. They don't understand that, that he wants you to be as he is. And that's a shame. That should be the subject. That should be the gathering. When we're gathered together is we should be gathered together in the knowledge of him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I feel the mighty presence of the Lord as I'm speaking to you. We should be gathered in this re relationship with one another. That, that we're building up one another in the most holy faith. Book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, couple of scriptures here. Ephesians 4. We quoted part of it a while ago. We read it last week. Start at verse 9. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, that's quite a measure. 
as we've read, that all fullness dwells in him. We've quoted that. So the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, so the ministry that's in the earth, this is what the ministry should be declaring. This is what the ministry should be ministering. The ministry should be edifying the body of Christ to bring them to the stature of the knowledge of Christ. Remember when I, when I started, I said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So as a ministry, I should be looking unto him to edify the body of Christ in the knowledge of him. Some things just don't edify the body of Christ. Some things come in and they bring confusion. Some things bring doubt. Some things bring disputes. And that should be closed, that should be shut, at, shut off, put away at the door. And as ministry, we should be edifying the body of Christ to come to the knowledge of him. Yes. That we be filled with all his fullness. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Huh. Glory. That's the purpose of ministry, to cause us to see him, to cause us to see him. Why? Because in the seeing of him, according to Paul, we are changed from glory to glory into the same image. We're changed in the seeing of him. So, so our heart should be looking for Jesus. Looking for his appearing, his revealing, him dwelling in you. That's what our heart should be looking for. Him dwelling in you. His revealing, his substance. One more scripture I said, maybe two, but one more at least. John 15, where we've been. I, I want, want us to really see something here. And I know we've been in it so many times. You say, well, Brother Wayne, you've exhausted that. Okay, well, the Lord keeps bringing me to it. So I must not have, or maybe maybe it's for me. Maybe I haven't got it. So in John 15, Jesus tells them to abide in the vine. He says, abide in me and I in you. up above he says you're clean through the word i've spoken unto you how many christians feel clean how many christians really feel that way a lot of times you get around christians they don't feel clean but jesus says you are clean through the word i've spoken to you you are right so 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 why don't we feel clean? Well, the, it, it, sometimes we, we read this and we don't, read, we don't connect it with the very next verse. He says, abide in the vine. Okay? Because so, the branch can't bring forth fruit of itself. So the fruit of this cleanliness, get a hold of this. The fruit of this cleanliness, I can't bring forth of myself. This is part of his fruit. This is part of his nature. This is part of his being, part of his character. He's clean. Yeah, he's clean. He doesn't have the filth of the world 
in his mind. He doesn't have the filth of the world in his nature. So he's clean. So he cleans us with himself. He cleanses us with his very own self. So he says, abide in the vine because the branches cannot bear fruit of themselves. Neither can you, no more can you, except you abide in me. So I'm clean through the word he's spoken. Okay? We all believe that. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same brings forth fruit. Not may bring forth fruit. He that abides in me brings forth fruit. Much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So if I abide in him, this, this, is, this stuck out at me this morning so powerfully. If I abide in him, I bring forth fruit. It happens. Why? Because he performs. Not because I learn how to perform it. He performs it in me because I'm abiding in him. I'm resting in him. I've come to him. I'm toiling for the word that endures, just like we read, we read a few times in John 6, unto eternal life. I'm looking for that word to come up in me. See, that word that is clean, I'm on this word clean, because it stuck out, it stuck out at me. You are clean. That's why I get on things, because it'll sometimes the Lord will just impress me with it. Then I get on it, because he's impressing me. You're clean. So the fruit of his cleanliness. How clean do you think he is? How pure do we think he is? How holy do we think he is? It's beyond our natural ability, but it's not beyond the capability that's in us because he is in us. You know, sometimes we say, well, it's beyond us to know. No, it's not, because he's in us. We're now in the vine. That's what he says. You're now in the vine. Ask if my words abide in you, you're clean. That's his words, right? So if my words abide in you that we're clean, that I've, I've, I've believed that, I've come to believe that, ask what you will, and it'll be done unto you. Well, that's what I'm asking for. God, I believe I'm clean through your word, through what you've done. Now I'm asking, see, that's what I'm asking, that that be performed in me. That's what I'm asking, that the fruit of you, that the work of you, that the life of you would be performed in me, that my mind would be pure through you, Lord that my thoughts would be pure, that my walk would be pure, that I would be holy in your sight because I'm seeing you, I'm knowing you, and I'm living in you. Your word's abiding in me. So I'm in this relationship that bears fruit. That's what we, we, that's what we all desire to come to, is to be in a relationship that bears fruit. I, I'm just you, you know, as I studied uh, some time ago, the I am's of Jesus, it was amazing to me that the final I am of Jesus was not I am the resurrection and the life, but I am the vine. 
That was amazing. And, and, and I got a hold of that to a measure, to a measure. I have, to a measure. Why is that? Because, it, you know, he's the resurrection and the life without us. He's the truth without us. He's the way without us. He's, he's all these things. But here in the vine, all these things that he is becomes real to me and you because now you are in the vine. So everything else that he said he is, is real to me and you because you're in the vine and the substance of the vine. The word, for example, the bread of life is in the vine. And you're in it. You're in the vine. You've been joined to him. To feast on what he is, to live in what he is, to dwell in what he is. Yes to bring forth the fruit of who he is. Hallelujah. Now, to me, that's really good news to bring forth the fruit of Christ. I don't see anything better than bringing forth his fruit. To be clothed upon, to have my mind fully cleansed, to have my mind fully clothed. And God wants to do it. I said this morning, he desires to give you the kingdom. It's, it's his good pleasure. We're in his good pleasure. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God was, was pleased. He said that all fullness would dwell in him, right? It pleased the father that all fullness would dwell in him. Well, you're in him. <laughs> Get a hold of that. Because we read that, that it pleased the father that all fullness would dwell in him. Well, you're in him. So his good pleasure is to the, to the branches that the source of the vine would flow out to the branches. My Lord, it's his good pleasure to give us all things in Christ, that we be the expression of the Lord in the earth. That's his pleasure to be the walking, living expression of Christ. I almost, and, and I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but I almost think the doctrine that puts this thing out here in the future is, is hurting the body of Christ because he lives in me right now. You know, you know I think there's the, the, I think we may not understand the down payment of the spirit, what that means and, and, and from this, that to come to fullness. I think we need a clarity of that. Yes, we received the down payment of the Spirit, but I believe the down payment was to inherit all these things in Christ we're talking about. And through the process of the work of the Spirit in us, we begin to inherit them. We begin to obtain them. They begin to become alive in us. I don't think that's some day out here necessarily in the future. I'm sure there's a greater and greater and greater revealing and a greater and greater and greater expression of the Lord. I'm sure of that, but I believe we obtain these as the Spirit makes them real in us, and our heart comes to know them. That's how you obtain it. You come to know it. It's like obtaining how to use a screwdriver. If you're a little kid, you see a screwdriver there, but you don't really know how to use it. But as you, as you become acquainted with it, you come to know it, 
you don't even have to ask somebody how to use it. You know how to pick it up and use it. It becomes a part of you. It becomes in your nature, right? It becomes part of your being that you can use a screwdriver or you can use a hairdryer or you can use whatever you need to use. But, but when you first pick it up, you don't necessarily know it. I believe that's how the Spirit in, teaches us Christ. We don't know rest, but the seed of rest, the person of rest is in our heart. And the Spirit brings us into a knowing that we can obtain it. And when we obtain that, we can manifest it in the earth. The Spirit's the down payment in order to obtain it because we can't obtain it any other way but by the Spirit of God, not by might nor power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And then he works, Paul says, he works mightily in us, right? To do of his own good pleasure. And his pleasure is Christ. So he works in us to bring that forth in our hearts that we live in the earth in that very reality. Now, I'm sure there's a greater comprehension of what I'm saying. But, but I want to obtain these things. I don't know about you. I want to obtain them. That's what I'm after is to obtain the things of the Lord. That I dwell in them, walk in them, think of, mindful of, and they're present with me. That they're present with me, that my, my speech be changed, my nature be changed, my whole being be changed, my thoughts be changed. Amen. And he's in me. My change has come. Who is Christ? And it's drawing out of that life, drawing out of that person, drawing out of that fountain. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So that's where we're at. There's just such a move of the Lord, such a working of Christ to feel us, to feel us that we obtain what he fills us with. Hey, man, I'll stop right here.